Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. Hello, friends. In case you don't know, there's a sportscaster who begins all of his telecast with that little phrase, Jim Nance, for a lot of football games, golf tournaments. It's his catchphrase, so to speak. Hello, friends. The last few weeks, we've been talking about how to be a good spouse, how to be a uh, good parent, how to be a good child, how to have good relationships. Today, what we want to talk about is how to be a good friend, a good friend. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 says, the seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. A wise person wins friends. A wise person wins friends. So we're going to talk about this idea of friendship. Now, I am not talking about how to find a good friend. I'm not talking about how you can, I just need a good friend. I'm talking about how to be the right friend. Because as Christians, we're called to be friends. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the vastness of friends, just so we understand that. There is a difference between being a friend and having a friend. And we're going to consider this morning what it means to be a friend. We're not looking at how other people should act. We're looking at how I should be acting. How should I behave? It's an issue of me being willing to give to others and not demanding of others. And thus, I gave to you the definition of what I want to use this morning as as a friend is this. A friend is anybody God puts in your path during your journey of life. Anybody. Remember, there's a story that Jesus told in the New Testament when he was asked, who's my neighbor? Who, Who is my friend? Who is that person there? And he told the story of what we call the Good Samaritan. It's a guy had been beat up that no one cared about. And three men walked by. Two of them didn't even pay attention, went to the other side, just kept on moving. And one stopped and helped. And Jesus turned to the guy who had asked the question and said, well, who's your your neighbor? Who's your friend? He goes, well, the guy that helped. He goes, yeah, go do that. And so we're called to be a friend to a whole bunch of people. That's friendship. That's what we're looking at. Anyone God puts in my path during my journey of life. So there's a wide variety of friends that you and I have, and it's just at a place where you can't really ever say, I don't have any friends. Because I've given you a list here, uh, real quickly, just you have your work friends, you have your kids' friends, you have your hobby friends, you have the friend you've known forever, you have your straight-talking friend, your Facebook friend, or friends. The special connection friend, the friend that means a lot to you, the casual acquaintance friend. You really don't know them, but you nod at them because you recognize them. The feel-good friend, the respected friend, someone you look up to, the go-in-trouble friend, the person-I-care-about friend, the the best friend, the fair-weather friend that kind of comes and goes, the needy or high-maintenance friend. I won't ask for a show of hands. The friend who betrayed me, the spiritual friend. All of those people you come across in your path of life, don't you? Your friends. 
So we're going to look at this idea of understanding that as a Christian, God calls me to be a certain type of friend. So we're going to begin with looking at the virtuous friend, the friend that is the ideal, the friend that is at the top of the list. That should be me. That should be us as a Christian. Who is this virtuous friend? I picked out three character traits. I could have picked out a whole bunch more, but I just picked out these three to get us started here today. And first one is this, you accept others as they are. You don't have relationships, people, to change people. You don't get married thinking you can fix somebody. If you do that, you're going to be in a fix. You come to that place where you realize, I just accept people as they are. That means that if I'm a Democrat, I can talk to a Republican. Let's just go to the heart of the matter, shall we? That even though they're wrong, <laughs> boy, I really debated to open this can of worms up. Right now, I'm questioning what I was thinking. You know, how many people can't even sit down and have a conversation? Because you're an idiot if you think that. How could you believe that? This is the way it should be. This is the way. No, I've, and you can have really strong opinions about the whole thing. You might even be right. I doubt it, but you might be. And yet you just accept somebody. Look, I can be a friend with people. And you know, what, which, you're a Republican, Democrat? I don't care. It doesn't matter. I can still be a friend. But how many people do you know, and I'm assuming you haven't been one of them, that have written other people off because of their political beliefs? That's not what a Christian does. A Christian accepts people as they are. Now that means you have to accept people for all their little idiosyncrasies. You have to accept people because they're weird. And let's be honest, all of us are a little weird. Okay? All of us have these little quirks, these things that bug us about people. These things we have to put up with in people, and we all have them. But you see, you and I are saying, I'm, I'm going to be a friend, a godly friend, and that means I don't care what you're like, I can still be a friend to you. Now, I've already pushed the boundary pretty far for some of you, haven't I? <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? when you have a log in your own? Why worry about their issues when you have issues? Why make those issues a dividing line? Because no one's going to see things like you do. Now, wouldn't the world be a better place if everyone saw it like I did? Oh, we think so. Romans 14.1, Paul writes to the believers there, Accept other believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Accept them as they are. Aren't you glad God accepts us as we are? And so you and I are called just to accept people. That's a virtuous friend. You just accept people as they are. Messed up, 
whatever it might be, that's who they are. Secondly, be aware of their circumstances. Seek to understand, not to be understood. To come to that place where too many times in life you and I walk through life with a blind eye and a closed heart that we just don't see people and their hurts and their fears and what they're dealing with. That we don't look at them the way we should. And so we come to that place where we just kind of go about our business unaware of what's going on in people's lives. Now, I'm not saying you need to get into their business. I'm not saying you need to know everything that's going on. But you know, you ever walk by somebody and just look in their face, told you, wow, they're in some pain. You know, you ever walk by somebody and seen them with a tear in their eye? Sorrow? And has your heart ever thought, wow? And maybe you don't say a thing to them and you keep walking on by, but you start praying, God, whatever's going on in that person's life, help them. To just be aware of what's going on. That you have people, maybe you don't spend a lot of time with them, but you're aware maybe they're going through a difficult time. And maybe you just send a text praying for you, thinking of you. Just being aware. We're really aware of what's going on in our life, aren't we? And God tries to get us to get out of ourselves and to think about others. How many times do we read about Jesus in his ministry? And it says that he looked on people and he looked at the crowd and he was moved with compassion. He just looked around and he thought, wow, these people are hurting. These people have needs. We look around with anger. How could they be like that? But are we aware of what's going on in people's lives or are we so blind that all we can think about is what's going on in our life? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, He says, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. And so many times in life, you and I are going to rub shoulders with people, friends, that we have an opportunity to help. Just maybe say a kind word. Just maybe stop for a moment and say, hey, how you doing today? It might be that somebody's thinking nobody ever talks to them and all you did was say hello and suddenly it makes their day. That's hard for us, isn't it? We get so busy wrapped up in us that we forget about being concerned for others. And thirdly, remain when things get awkward. Let me tell you a little secret things will get awkward. There will be disagreements. But see, we live in a culture that, oh, I don't like the way you said that. I don't like how you're doing this. I'm going to unfriend you. Wouldn't it be great if you could do that? People just push a button. Okay, you're done. And see, if somebody doesn't agree with us or does something we don't like or whatever else, we're quick to jump at this. Well, I don't want anything more to do with them, aren't we? But how many of you understand relationships always take work and effort? And you're dealing with imperfect people as an imperfect person. 
And you're not ever going to do everything and say everything that's expected. And things aren't always going to go the way. And so many people live with the idea, you owe me. And when you ask people to define friend, they come up with their definition. Well, friend is someone who always is there for me. How selfish. Are you going to be there for them? Well, if they do what I like. If they don't hurt me. If they agree with me. And so easy to just get offended. It's so easy to not deal with the hard times. It's so easy to think, you don't owe me. I'll give to you and you owe me nothing in return. That we miss opportunities because we distance ourselves when things get hard. And things always get hard at times, don't they? Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many will say they're loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? John 15, 13. No greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. No greater way to love people than to think of them more than you think of yourself. To put their needs above your needs. To stay friendly even when they've hurt you deeply. That's hard. But that's a virtuous friend. Like I said, I could give you others. But, you know... Those things that even when things get difficult, I'll stay around and I'll just be open and let my heart be open to the circumstances. And as the Spirit leads me, I'll respond as He leads me to do that. I don't have to be around them all the time. I don't have to know everything that's going on. I can just be sensitive and God will let me know what's happening and what's going on. And I just accept people and love people as they are. Well, Pastor, why should I do that? Why? Well, I could give you a very blunt answer. In fact, I will. God says to. It's that simple. But let me tell you the benefits of that. Let me tell you what God had in mind when he wants us to love others. The value of friends. They're valuable to me. I need them. You need them. We need friends. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, surely we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. This week, you are going to cross paths with people you don't know their names, some you maybe have never seen before, and for these people, they have never seen God. Never. But you know what? There's a lot of people looking for Him. They look in the wrong places, but they're looking. And so God gives us the privilege of being a person that as I walk down a street, they can see God in me. 
Um, in my household, I do the shopping. Okay? It began with when I was younger and we had five kids, I had a choice of staying home with the kids or going shopping. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. I chose the best. But now that the kids are gone, I still go shopping because if my wife goes, when she comes back, all I get is fruits and vegetables. <laughs> and I need other stuff to exist on. Man can't exist on fruits and vegetables alone. And so uh, there's other things. So I go shopping. And, and I notice in the store that as you're pushing the cart, you go around the corner and somebody else come around the corner and your carts are kind of there, you know, you know. And I've noticed that when that first happens, I've, I've watched the people's faces. It's kind of, uh, what's going to happen? And I've noticed that if I just smile, that they smile back. And I go on. I hope they saw God. Didn't take much. Just for me not to react, not to call them an idiot. Not to respond in a way that would you look where you're going. Because you and I have the great privilege of being God's representatives here on this planet. They have never seen God, but God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. So that you and I live a life as friends, showing God to people who are looking for Him. And I don't know. Maybe that smile, maybe that hello, maybe that little voice might be the opening door for them to soften a heart and hear a message later on. Might help them know, hey, that's a better way to respond than the way I normally do. We don't know. So here's the value. Let me give you just a couple of things. They prod me to think of others. In other words, life is not to be lived just for me. Hear me. Life is always better when I live it for someone other than me. If I'm married, my life is always better if I live it for my spouse rather than me. At work, my life is always better if I live it for them rather than me. And the only way you get your selfish needs met is to be unselfish. To come to that place where God says, look, I'm going to put you on this planet and it's not about you. It's about God and I want you to take me to other people. I want you to represent me towards others. So that means you and I need to be thinking about other people rather than just ourselves. And when you do that, your life is always better. Always is. In Genesis chapter 2, God had made Adam, and he said these fascinating words to me. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. It's not good to be by yourself. It's not good to be alone. Now, sometimes we think it is, and sometimes there's moments when aloneness is great. But God says, I didn't make you just to be by yourself. 
And the people who are saying, I have no friends, are feeling like it's all alone. And they forget about the people around them that are still there that they could be a friend to. Philippians 2.3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others more or better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Don't just look out for you. It's not just about you. And so it's good for me, God says, that you're not alone. I'm going to put you around people because I don't want you to live a self-centered life. I don't want you to live a life where you're always trying to only accepting those people who are just like you. I'm not going to put you in a place where you just have friendships with just a few people. I'm not going to put you in a place where you kind of draw the bar and draw the line and you keep moving people in and moving out depending on how you feel that day and how they act towards you. I'm just going to say you have a responsibility to look around you and be a friend to people. Because people need a friend. People want a friend. And it is not good for us to be alone. It's not good for me, and it's not good for them. Can I think about someone other than myself? Secondly, they help me reach my potential. My potential. Could we all agree that we are not where we want to be in our relationship with God? That we want to be a better Christian than we are now? That we want to be a better person than we are now? The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. When irons rub together, you get sparks, don't you? And so, it's there to help me grow. Do you know that God brings people in and out of your life to help you grow up? And sometimes we push away the very people who are there to help us the most. And we miss it because this idea of friendship is this, well, you'll always love me, you'll always take care of me, you'll never do this, you'll never do this, you'll act like this, you'll agree with me, and, you know, you'll treat me, and we miss it. In the Old Testament, there was this guy by the name of David. He was a shepherd, but he was anointed the next king of Israel. Saul was the king presently. And as David grew, you know the story, he killed Goliath, and he and Saul went to battle, and battles were won and everything. And in the meantime, David became a great friend with Saul's son by the name of Jonathan. Now, Jonathan is the next heir to the throne. And you would think that he would be a little bit cautious about being with this kid who's been anointed. There's a threat there, isn't there? But what happens instead, Jonathan and David become fast friends. They look out for each other. They care for each other. Their friendship grew and they encouraged each other. However, Saul took a different relationship with David and that he spent many years of his life trying to hunt down and kill David, and David ended up running for his life, hiding out in caves, moving around so he couldn't be found. 
And Saul made life, David's life miserable. But you know what? God used Saul to help David grow up. And when Saul dies, David goes, well, it's about time. <laughs> now, read the story. David weeps. He cries. You and I wouldn't cry over somebody who spent years making life miserable for us, would we? But David saw beyond that and that God puts friends in our way to help us mature, to help us grow, to teach us lessons. And many times we refuse to learn them because we think we know better and we don't accept them as they are and we think we're fine. And God says, I want to help you reach your potential. I'm going to put some people in your life who will help you grow. Don't miss them. And then they provide me an opportunity to influence their life. You see, if, if the only person maybe sometimes they're going to see is me and they don't know God, but they could see God in me, could I have an influence in their life for the good, for the better? That you never know how you're going to respond. <laughs> you know, you just don't know. I, I remember one time I was shopping for a car. Um, and I had this guy working with, for, you know, salesman, how they do, used to do. You know, come out and do this and do this and everything. And so we were talking about the deal and everything else. And he asked me what I did. That's always the magic question because I know as soon as I answer that, everything changes. <laughs> I told him what I did. He said, I thought so. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, there was just something different about the way you acted. And I thought, oh, God, thank you. Because <laughs> sometimes, you, you know, you, you know, right? But see, you never know, do you? You never know when the opportunity is there. You never know when that just smile at a person is going to change their life. You never know of how you're doing today is going to affect somebody. You never know when a simple text of thinking of you makes a difference. And you can have an influence on people, even the people you don't know. 1 Corinthians 9:19. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. I will do whatever I need to do so that people can see an invisible God in me. That's a friend. Helping people grow, become healthy, responding and acting in a way that is consistent where you can have that influence. And lastly, they can be a partner with me in heaven partner with me in heaven. Luke chapter 16, verse 9, Jesus gives this great summation of a lesson he's trying to get across. And he says this, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make them friends. Then when your possessions are gone, 
they will welcome you to an eternal home. Very simply what this verse is saying is that we're to use what we have to be a blessing to others and a blessing to us and it will benefit us eternally. The things we do go up as works. Be judged one day on works. Things we do go up in heaven. person is in heaven. Wouldn't it be great if when you got to heaven, somebody walked up to you and said, Hello, friend. I'm here because of you. That would just be the ultimate, wouldn't it? Just to be able to have that kind of influence. And maybe you go, well, I don't recognize you. Oh, we didn't know each other. I just watched. I just watched. I just listened. And I saw God. I saw God. And we invest in others. So for eternity. And you use what you have to bring others closer to God. I think many people are one to the Lord, not just because of one person, but because of many. This person planted a seed, this person planted a seed, this person did a little thing, this person did a little thing, and one day it all came together. And the only wealth that endures is the wealth that has been invested in others for the sake of the gospel. And no matter how much you have, little, ability, none, opportunities, wealth, you can manage it in a way that makes you really rich. Because you and I are called to be friends. So I'll ask you, what kind of friend are you? Oh, I got these people over here. I'm a really good friend. What about the others? We're, we don't just love a selective few, do we? We love the world. Who's my friend? Anybody I come across in life that I have an opportunity to help them see God a little clearer, a little better. That's being a friend. That's the greatest friend you can be. Are you that kind of friend to people? So I'd like for you to just to take a moment right now, just between you and God, and whatever you sense in here, would you say just, God, I hear you. I hear you. Help me. Would you just take a moment and do that? Just right where we are. It won't take long. You say, help me. Lord, this morning, your word's very clear about our responsibilities in life. And you call us your friend. Would you help us to be a friend? Lord, there are people all around us 
who've never seen God, but they can see us. Will we be a friend to them? So Lord, would you help us to be that friend to people? Variety of people, variety of relationships, variety of connections, different ways, some deep, some shallow, some big, some minor, but God, just to be that person. Thank you for the privilege that we have of representing you in this world. Help us to be a friend of all. In thy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to take communion. Aren't you glad that Jesus is a friend of sinners? And he's your friend. He gives you an open invitation. In the book of Revelation in chapter 3, Jesus says, it's a familiar verse, many of you will know it. I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll hear my voice, and if you'll answer the door, and if you'll invite me in, we will share a meal together as friends. He's knocked. We've opened the door. And we're going to have a meal. A time where he and I, friends, share. That's what communion is. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done. Remember who you are. If you'll remember when Jesus was in the garden praying, the Roman soldiers came to take him away. Judas led the group, walked to him, up to him, and what was Jesus' words? Friend, whatever you're about to do, do it. He calls him a friend, Judas. Incredible, isn't it? But an understanding of what a friend is. So at this meal, he takes the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember, remember me. Shall we eat together? Later on in the meal, took a cup. He said, this represents my blood. Without it, there is no forgiveness of sin. And every time you drink of it, remember. Remember who I am and what I've done and what I'm able to do. Shall we drink together? Would you take a moment now and just thank him for who he is and what he's done, for having a friend like that? God, we thank you. We praise you. thank you today for being our friend and thank you for the privilege we have of being a friend help us not to forget help us always to remember
we thank you. In that name we pray. Amen. So this week as you go, you're going to come across a lot of people. Some you don't know. Some you've never seen before. But they're a friend. Because they have the opportunity to see God. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.